See? Eat, yeah. Look at my wine. Yeah, it's white. It's a Pinot Gris. It totally is. I yes. can tell just by seeing it over Zoom. No, just kidding. I can't do that. <laughs> Welcome to What's Next? Conversations with Boomers. I'm Barb Damaray. So just before the holidays, we did an episode on cocktails that was really fun. As a sort of part two to that episode, today we're going to learn about wine. If you're a boomer like me, when we started consuming alcohol, which for most of us was certainly before we were actually legal, we probably drank baby duck. We didn't probably drink baby duck. We did. We drank baby duck. A kind of a sweet, bubbly wine or uh, Matousse, which was a popular red wine. And then there was another wine called Porfait Pearl. And we knew nothing about wine, but you drank whatever whatever you could get your hands on. Times have changed dramatically. And most of us, at least among my boomer friends, really enjoy our wine. And it's usually the drink of choice at dinner parties and get-togethers. Today, we have on a wine expert who's going to give us a broader understanding of wine. Eden Buss is with us today. She has had many, many years of experience in the food and beverage industry and has learned from sommeliers and other wine experts along the way. Enough so that she can advise people what to have with their meal. So, Eden, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Barb. I'm very happy to be here. I love talking about wine. It's a fun topic. And as we were saying before, it is such a broad topic. First of all, tell us how you got to know so much about wine. Well, um, it was really, I started out as a hostess in in my career and I got um, brought on to a restaurant at the time in Toronto called Red's Bistro and Wine Bar. And so since they were a wine bar, there were always trainings and tastings that happened and you had to take tests in order to uh, pass certain things in order to like move up and of course I was young and excited and wanted to move up in in the line from hostess to serving and so it started that way I just started going to all the tastings I could and trainings and um, what previously I I didn't understand started to come to light like fun fun parts of it that wine could taste different uh, depending on where it was from depending on what you were eating depending on like a lot of different things and I didn't know it was so complex like that and so it was just something that I thought I wanted to know more about and I knew I liked drinking some of it and then (laughs) (laughs) so I was like well I guess if I want to continue drinking it I should be able to talk about it so I just I anyone who would tell me about it I would listen and that's kind of how it started that's cool so you so you sort of learn by through osmosis just kind of like Mm -hmm. like we learn a lot of things just being in the environment and asking questions and picking up what people are saying and watching how things are done and yeah and you absorbed a lot 
Yeah, I we were also lucky enough. I've gotten to go on a lot of um, winery tours, like through work and things, where I got to meet winemakers and go to the cellars and go into the vineyards and really see it, kind of from from start hands on and hear it from the people who are actually making it. Um, and so that also really helped. And also the idea that if I knew more and was interested, then I could go on more tours and be taken more behind the scenes mm-hmm. and then get to do fun things like taste stuff from the barrel, etc. So, but going on wine tours is something I highly recommend. You're not always going to get to go into the cellars and speak to the winemakers, but you still get, um, you know, a good sense of the way things are different across different uh, winemaking practices and different vineyards. The difference of terroir is what wine people say, which really just means the soil and the land that it comes from, um, can change drastically in an amount of feet or where the wind is coming from or how sunlight hits something. Like there are so many factors and uh, I find that really cool too. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. I've been on a few wine tours and find them absolutely fascinating. <laughs> Apart from the mm-hmm. fact, by the time the tour is over, you're loaded. You're you can drunk. barely remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, been there, been there. <laughs> my my daughter Claire and I went on a on a wine tour in in uh, Santorini in Greece. Beautiful. A few. Oh yeah, it was it was so much fun. And you know, it's such, if you've ever been there, it's just such a beautiful place. And you know, the the very first stop, we were all very formal with each other with our introductions and polite. And by the end, I mean, <laughs> everyone's best we were friends. all loose lipped and best <laughs> friends. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wine brings people together. That's the other thing I love about yeah. it. Though it can be divisive because I feel like some people are really intense about the wines they want to drink and like. And they're Mm. like, "Mm, you're a Chardonnay person, I'm not. And then I'm always there in the middle being like, I think I can find something for both of you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and on a wine tour, you do get an idea of how complex, um, and how broad a subject it is. It's, it's quite fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start with the basics. What are the main categories of both white wines and red wines, and what are their what are their properties? There's hundreds, actually. I think people would be surprised to learn how many grape varietals there are. But I would say main things for white that people might know: Sauvignon Blanc, which can taste different depending on where it's from. Chardonnay, for a lot of people, they understand it as a very specific style. But again, if you're getting it from somewhere like Chablis, it's going to be more mineral driven and more high acid and more soft and dry. Whereas uh, Chardonnay from California, let's say, where the grapes get to be more ripe, they're going to have more sugar and more fruit content and they use a lot more oak in California than they would in Burgundy. So you get a lot more of those like vanilla and sweet notes and oaky things, which I think is what people always associate with Chardonnay, but it really doesn't have to be like that. Chardonnay is a really versatile grape and it really shows the expression of where it's from and or 
what the winemaker decides to do with it which is always why if someone's like, I don't like this type of wine, I'm like, maybe we just haven't found you the right version of it. Mm -hmm. Mm. Riesling, that's another one where people often always assume that Rieslings are going to be sweet so that they, and they're like, I don't like sweet wine, so I don't want a Riesling. I'm one of those people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to find you a Riesling you like, Barb, I swear. Okay. There's so many beautiful dry styles of Riesling and it just, again, depends on where it's from. Why wines can be sweeter is because if something has a lot of acid you need sugar to balance it so Mm. sometimes people will ferment a wine sweeter because they don't want the acid to be overpowered it'll seem out of balance it also depends like people make their wine according to the food that's around them that's a good thing for pairing too is like if you have you know spicier foods you might want a sweeter wine Mm. okay Eden can I just can I just ask a question Mm -hmm. what does the wine do to food what how does it alter or the food alter the taste of the wine I mean how do they interact there's definitely a few ways that they can interact when you're doing food and wine pairings that you're trying to elevate both because everyone tastes and smells things slightly differently but texture is really important when it comes to pairing food because everyone feels texture similarly but smells and tastes things slightly differently and is more sensitive to acid sweet tannin etc so um when pairing with food and wine you're looking um texturally how's it gonna go or you can always go uh place with a place if a wine comes from a place and that cuisine comes from a place you're probably it's probably a good it's probably a good match or going opposite like if you're having southeast asian cuisine or spicy food like we were saying having something that is like an off dry riesling or pinot gris or um gewurztraminer something Mm. that has some florality some sweetness that can take down a bit of the spice right and this because the spice brings out the acid in wines so once you eat a bite of something spicy after taking a sip of sweet wine you'll get all of the the flavors without the sugar as much because the sugar's working to combat the spiciness okay so it works in this harmony of like creating this like oh it tastes different now than it tastes if I drink it just by itself so it's a way to highlight the wine and make uh, the food also maybe that sweetness is toning down some of the spice so again it's bringing out more of the aromatics of the food like those underlying tones as opposed to the initial like oh that's hot you get to experience more of the flavors of wine and food when you do the right pairing. This is it's so interesting. <laughs> I just love yeah. hearing you talk because it's, I mean, it tells such an interesting story and, and the vocabulary mm. that goes along with these descriptions is so musical. Oh, <laughs> you're singing you're I'm serenading singing. her with wine I am, I you this. are serenading me with just the vocabulary <laughs> and the explanation and we'll be right back
Sauvignon Blanc tends to be a really high acid grape, no matter where it's from. And it tends to have really grassy notes and the fruit notes that you get from it tend to be like tart fruit, like gooseberries and I'm interrupting again, things like Eden. that. Yes, do it. I can't help myself. Please go. This <laughs> notes word. <laughs> <laughs> I, need to I learned notes. about notes okay. when Mella was talking about cocktails, and now you're throwing in the notes. <laughs> the notes. <laughs> notes. <laughs> I mean, this is just totally new to me. And 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 also, how does how does the wine? I mean, where does the acid come from? Is it from the soil? Um. It's in the grape itself. I mean, so yeah, the grape. Okay, so the acid, the yeah. acid in the gr- in the grape. I mean, how does yeah, it get to be acidic? That's just like a naturally occurring situation. But all grapes aren't acidic, are they? Are it depends on the varietal. On the right? varietal. Yeah, okay. it depends yeah. on the varietal. Certain varietals tend yeah. to be more acidic than others. Okay. Yeah, some grapes are are just sweeter than others. And that's where winemaking comes in is when they are like, how do I take this grape? Mm -hmm. And do I either want to highlight its natural products? Do I want to manipulate it to taste a certain way? Okay. And then it depends on the winemaker if they want to elevate those notes or subdue them and highlight what what the soil does. If it's grown in a soil that has a lot that's mineral rich or clay or sand those flavors do get imparted uh, because vines are pulling the nutrients from the soil right of course chardonnay most people think it's quite oaky buttery maybe a bit sweet vanilla that's more winemaking than the grape itself chardonnay actually has a decent Mm. amount of acid but is very versatile and uh, very much expresses where it's from so um, it's hard to say a general characteristic of Chardonnay because it truly is a sort of like shapeshifter grape. Okay. Buttery does, does, is a good descriptive word for it because that's how I experience mm-hmm. it as, as being, is being kind of buttery when I'm looking for yeah. crisp. And so if you want a crisp wine, if you got a Chablis, Love a Chablis. like a general entry level Chablis, that's a really crisp dry yeah. white and yeah. that's the Chardonnay grape. And you can look for a specifically named unoaked Chardonnay. And then that's going to give you that sort of more drier, crisp style. Right. I love a Prince Edward County Chardonnay. Delicious. Yeah. Delicious. You know why? Because Prince Edward oh. County, interesting fun fact, Prince Edward County's soil, terroir, if you will, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is very similar to Burgundy. Ah, yeah, and climate-wise, actually, it's quite similar um, because it's a cooler climate region, and so the coolness makes way for acid, mm. and then the warm days um, give way, way to sugar. make it. Yeah, makes the ripening makes process happen. That so cooler sense. climate areas will give you drier, crisper wines if that's the way the winemaker wants to make it. So when people poo-poo on Canadian wines, never don't do it. No. You just it's because you know what it is. It's because for so long, and mostly until the seventies, all that was grown here mm. or produced was yeah. sweeter wines. Mm-hmm. And then more people came over mm-hmm. and were like, mm, "There's more you could do with this." Yeah. And then it kind of bloomed. But I think that 
especially for boomers, there's a certain association with Canadian wines that they're like, oh, it's not good. It's low quality or it's going to be sweet or it's going to be, it's not as prestigious. Right. Um, But nowadays that's not true. Then I would say the next main grape for white wine varietals would be like Pinot Grigio slash Pinot Gris, which are similar but slightly different. And those tend to be uh, quite light. The acid is a lot higher in them naturally. The the skin of the grape is quite thin, so um, it doesn't have as much time to to ripen it contributes to the tartness of it skins tend to um, contribute to tannin structure Mm -hmm. yeah and bitterness and flavor and color a pinot gris can have a little bit more of a natural floral quality to it um, while still being dry but i find that both of these wines depending on where they're from and who's making them can also be sweeter and that again comes down to that winemakers trying to balance acid and if the acid's too high, then you got to put more sugar. Otherwise, it's not going to taste like anything, but just like tart. Barb loves a Pinot Gris. I love a Pinot Gris. Uh, yeah. Well, you know why? It's because BC, that's their predominant white grape that they produce. Oh, really? Yep. Oh. It grows the best over there. So Ontario grows Chardonnay, Riesling in terms of whites in BC. It's Pinot Gris for white. Um, Can you talk about red grapes? Yeah. So people know Cabernet Sauvignon, obviously, is one of the most popular grapes. Cab Sav. Yeah. Cab Sav is uh, probably the most popular grape in the world. It can be produced anywhere. It can't be produced anywhere well, but Mm. it can, it can, it can grow grow and be produced pretty much anywhere because it's quite a hardy grape it has a very thick skin which gives it the ability to stand um any type a lot of different temperatures yeah exactly so it also is i would say one of the heaviest grapes in terms of its flavor profile that's if you're reaching for a cab sove then Mm -hmm. you kind of you like it's big it's got a lot of tannins which is that sort of drying effect in your mouth um, that like, like texture coffee. drying, like co- like t- yeah, and tea. tea. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, like if you leave tea. a black tea, a tea bag in too long, and your tea gets that very specific bitter dryness, that's what we call mm-hmm. tannin. So that comes from grape skins, and Cab Sauve tends to have, have a, a lot, lot of, of that, as well as like dark fruit and like stewed fruit. Like mm-hmm. it's a very ripe sort of like blackberry and black cherry and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have Merlot, which is more of a, f- a fruitier style, but similar in structure of Cab Sauve. Merlot tends to be something that uh, is blended a lot with Cab Sauve and not necessarily always on its own so much anymore. I feel like 20 years ago there was um, Mm. more standalone Merlots but it can be a finicky grape to grow so people tend to get low yields so we'll use it for mixing then I would say something like Pinot Noir yeah 
if you're looking for a lighter style red, a bit earthier, but that's that really sort of light tart red fruit, not overripe raspberries, but like raspberries and love a Pinot Noir. It's very nice. It's very, it's very nice. smooth because yes. the tannins are softer in that naturally. It's great with food. So great with food. It does tend to be a higher acid red, but you don't notice it as much. Mm-hmm. So it's like very food friendly. Um, and it's also like a really good thing to drink on its own. It doesn't need to be right drank with food, unlike Cab Sauv, which is a hard thing to like drink a lot of w- right. if you're not eating. Mm-hmm. And then Tempranillo, or most people might think that like Rioja. Rioja is the region of Spain, but the grape is Tempranillo. Mm-hmm. And it's one one of the most popular reds. It's a bigger red, right? Yeah, it's definitely a bigger red. Like more, it gives like almost a natural like smokiness and a little bit of that meatiness and right. like leather notes, like a little bit spicy. Okay. Um, and then lastly, I would say something like Syrah, Syrah or Shiraz. They're the same thing, just called different names from different regions so Shiraz is Australian New Zealand Syrah basically everywhere else but mostly in France (laughs) yeah um Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. that one tends to be a medium body uh with lots of those sort of black pepper notes right um I was gonna say it has like a sharpness yeah it's definitely high acid and peppery and right yeah but not super overpowering right and it also tends to have like a another sort of green note like herbal mm, notes mm-hmm. like thyme and rosemary sort of bay herbs leaves. yeah bay leaves that's a good one yeah and then lastly cab franc cabernet franc that's the the baby brother of cab sauve i would say so the lighter style of cab sauve that one is ten to me often tastes like green peppers Oh, vegetal. Yeah, very Ooh. vegetal. Yeah. Vegetal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> very vegetal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very vegetal. So, um, and lighter style. So lighter body, not, not aggressive amounts of structure there. Mm-hmm. Red fruits, like strawberry and cherry and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Do you know what, Eden? Yeah. This is so weird. I I have never, like beer, I've never acquired a taste for beer, mm-hmm. nor have I acquired a taste for red wine. I just don't like it. And I think, and I, I have a very welcoming palate for most things. Yeah. But I, I just think this is so odd. Most people prefer red over white. In fact, if people don't know you and they're going to bring wine, they're more likely to bring red. It's true. Yeah. I just don't care for it and I get it I was in your <laughs> camp you? I was I do I do because I didn't like red wine for a long time it took I think doing pairings and seeing different styles helped I think like I can drink red if I'm eating food for the most part it's not what I reach for first when having my own personal glass of wine at home unless there are certain stats like I like a lighter red so I do like a Pinot Noir Um, I'm wondering if I would too you know what they're really nice they're really nice I should try it I'm gonna take you out for dinner Eden (gasps) and I'm gonna order some food (laughs) 
could come. It's going to be dinner for three. Oh, I could come. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm going to I'm going to order food, and I'm going to ask you. Okay, I'm going to drink a red with this. Okay. Tell me what I would like and what's going to enhance the food. Because all I'm looking for when I take a sip of wine is the crispness and the yeah. cold. And yeah, of course, red doesn't offer that. Some reds are served chilled. And I prefer it that way. Like oh. it, lighter reds, lighter styled reds are are good for chilling because it brings out more of that tart, crisp fruit note. Right. Um, that's not so um, cloying. It yeah, it doesn't lend it itself doesn't, if it's warm. Or yeah even room temp yeah you get you just get more more from it Te- temperature is important with wine how cold or how warm you serve something does change the flavor totally. and texture of a wine oh I'm, I'm sure on that note yeah do we need a top up yes please <laughs> always <laughs> go top up <laughs> and we'll be right back I was just in the Alsace region over the <gasps> summer and wow. cycled through tons of vineyards, which were fascinating. And I know that they're famous for their Rieslings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. Also very famous for their sparkling wines. Sparkling. Um, oh. Yeah. So they use Riesling to make their sparkling. What does Cremant mean? So it's a style of sparkling. I see. Wine. Um, it's the way that it's made. So... A funny thing, um, champagne, a lot of people call sparkling wine champagne, but champagne is only champagne if it's made in champagne in, in the champagne, champagne region yeah, of I've France. Heard that. And it's made from specific grapes. So if it's made anywhere else and with any other type of grape, it cannot be called champagne. So different areas came up with different words so Loire Valley Alsace when they make their sparkling wines they had to come up with a different different word so uh, cremant is uh, a way of saying it's sparkling wine sparkling wine yeah got it so Eden here in Canada where is most of the wine produced in Ontario yeah in Ontario so that's the largest wine growing region of Canada um, Niagara Peninsula and surrounding mm-hmm. Niagara on the Lake, etc., is um, where most of it comes from. But also Prince Edward County. That's also a very large winemaking region of Ontario. And th- over there, Prince Edward County is where the terroir resembles Burgundy. And so, yes, Ontario, largest of Canada. The next would be BC, specifically mm-hmm. Okanagan Valley. That's where mm-hmm. I would say 80% of the wine coming out of BC is um, produced. Pinot Gris is the is the star. And then reds are more produced than whites we over there. We do like our BC wines here. We, yeah. we do support our wineries a lot. Yeah, they're very good. Here. So yep. those are the two main ones, but there is small production in Quebec and Nova Scotia. But those are the those are the only four. There's like not really anywhere else that can do it. So say a little bit about stemware. Yes. So for example, I mean, I'm drinking this white wine out of this very standard white wine glass. Yep. Why is it that red wine 
really should be served in a larger, broader glass. What what does that do to the quality of the wine, the taste of the wine? So the idea behind different stemware is it's about forcing the aromas and flavors up into your nose and palate. So Bordeaux glasses, let's say, red wine. That's the biggest glass. Those are those ones that are those big bowls, but really tall. Yeah. So that... Uh, you serve anything that comes from Bordeaux or bigger, bolder reds where you need um, it to take a bit longer to get to your mouth. So some of that ethanol and the high alcohol of those wines gets blown off before it hits your nose and palate Um, so that you can taste more of the fruit and the nuances of that. It also, the shape tends to change how wine hits your mouth. And because different parts of your mouth experience different things like bitterness, sweetness, tartness, like those are different sections, stemware and the way it's shaped can help with those things. So having a bigger wine glass lets more air in. So it gives it more oxygen, which again, some of those like sulfury notes that might be in there to preserve the wine or some of that alcohol to blow off pretty quickly so that you can get straight into those more fruity and savory notes of the wine. Um, And it also lets it hit your mid palate because you experience tannins kind of along your teeth and the roof of your mouth and things like that. So you want to avoid it hitting like right there if you have a really tannic wine. It's also pretty bougie. You can honestly, you can drink wine from anything. It gets pretty bougie. Yeah, it's pretty bougie to like have different stemware. It's like you have to be really. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Um, But like, um, it also has got to like, I fit comfortably in your hand um, because you don't want to be awkward about it. Right. That's why Um, I don't like it. I do not like a stemless glass at all. Oh, I hate a stemless glass. It makes me really upset. Yeah. Um, because also the whole idea of not holding your glass the by the actual bulb part and right. holding it by the stem is to not change the temperature. Because like I was talking about before, oh, temperature, could, oh. yeah, your body heat changes that. So you're changing the temperature of the wine, which is going to change the, the flavors character. and the character of it. Right. So, um you want stemmed glassware so that you're not holding on to your wine. Yeah. So you're not changing the ideal temperature it should be at. Even if it's a red, right? Because yeah. like you don't want it to get hotter than room temperature because it's going to be the alcohol's going to come out more, the tannin's going to come out more, mm-hmm. and it'll be less enjoyable. Right. So uh, essentially the basics of the different types of stemware is they're geared towards how you can enjoy the wine best. White wine glasses tend to be smaller because you don't want too much oxygen to get in because it has less alcohol and less upfront characters. So you want to keep everything sort of tight and not let too much oxygen get in it to take away those characteristics. So you serve it in a smaller glass. But that's more for aromatic whites. And when we say aromatic whites are things like Riesling, Pinot Gris, 
mm-hmm. Pinot Grigio, Gewürztraminer, things like that. What, what does aromatic mean? Aromatic, I would say, refers to when you can smell uh, characteristics of a wine pretty obviously. Okay. Um, specifically in terms of like florality and right. fruit. Okay. Like a Gewürztraminer that right. tends to be like really intense in its mm-hmm. profiles on the nose. You get a smaller glass because white wine, you tend to have more from the nose from smelling it than you do from tasting it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So you want to keep those notes because if you smell something well tasting, then you taste those smells. But if you don't, if it goes away, if it's too big a glass and you smell it and then by the time it hits your mouth, it's not the same. It's like actually a science. Like you can look it up. like I'm not doing it justice, but like there were a lot of people that like went into studying how scientifically you could mold a glass to make a wine taste better taste better taste best taste best yeah yeah and so that's why there are different and so how much wine you pour into the glass has an impact as well so you don't Mm -hmm. want to fill it no you don't don't want to put too much just keep topping up just yeah just keep topping up yeah but start with six ounces or I would start with four or five four or five okay yeah four or five max because that's it also depends on how quickly you drink I suppose but that's a good amount so that you can let it sit and enjoy and think without the temperature changing too much and get the full benefit of the wine yeah exactly. also I feel like these like bigger I mean I have just like a we call these AP glasses. Mm-hmm. AP? <laughs> All-purpose All glasses. All-purpose All glasses. Purpose. Yes. It's oh. like big enough that you can like drink a cab, so- a cab yeah. stove off of it, but also just small enough that you can drink a white wine off of it. Yeah. I feel like stemware makes a big difference, um, especially the best way to show people why it makes a difference is with sparkling wine. True. Mm. Why do you think a lot of people put it in flutes? The tiniest glass you could look. A, it looks, sure, it looks pretty and yeah. fancy and delicate and and also the bubbles right but it's about the, the bubbles. bubbles yeah so the bigger the glass the more likely that the carbonation the carbonation is going to go flatter quicker that being said though you do need some air to get in True. to mix with the carbon dioxide so okay. that you can soften the bubbles slightly so you can get some of those aromatics as we say or the like smells and some of the flavor that's not just the acid right. and the bubbles. Okay. So that's why they say to serve truly champagne not in a flute, flute. but in a smaller white wine glass. Yeah. Oh. Wasn't there, and you just serve less of it. But wasn't there also a period where like sparkling wine or champagne was served in like a coupe style yes. glass? And a, a coupe, but what I mean by that is like a, it's a stemware, but like it's a wide stemware and it's short. Yeah. So it looks like a little, like so, a cocktail glass. Yeah. It looks like a cocktail glass and it's, um, it was originally created and shaped off of Marie Antoinette's bosom. Ew. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's some wine someone, history. Yeah, yeah, some wine history. The coupe came from <laughs> someone wanting, she drank a lot of champagne and of course her lovers also wanted to drink and wanted to be like, I'm drinking from your breast oh, as geez. often as possible. Oh, so created brother. a glass. 
do that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty silly. Eden, this is so interesting. I mean, it's really, I, I mean, I think we're going to have to have you come back because there's just so yeah, many questions. There's so there's many, so things, many to things to talk, to talk about. about. Yeah, I do want to tell you, answer all the questions you have, but I do know that I tend to tangent and take a long time well, to answer questions. Because there's lots to say. So. Clearly, there's, uh, there's a ton to say. Eden, thank you so much. This has just been so fun. Oh, it was my absolute pleasure. And so informative. And um, absolutely, we need to have you come back. So just would love to. Anytime. We'll get you the pencil and a date. Yeah. yeah. This is, it's a fun topic. I mean, who doesn't like wine? Right? What's Next is written and created by Barb Demeray. It is produced, edited, and engineered by Mella. If you like the show, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you stream your podcast. Thank you for listening.